You're listening to Permission To, the podcast where we dive into the science and soul of owning your worthiness as a perfectly imperfect human being. I'm your host, Sam Duke, psychotherapist, positive psychology coach, mama to a beautiful five-year-old, Emily, and passionate advocate for living an inspired life. My aim is to show you that you have full permission to own your worthiness so that you can embrace your true nature and begin walking boldly toward your dreams. Let's dive in. Hi beauties, welcome to another episode of Permission 2. Today we are chatting with my beautiful friend Rachel Kurzup. Rachel is a marketing coach, copywriter, speaker and teacher. She supports multi-passionate women to build an aligned, ethical and profitable business without having to choose between their passions, compromise their values and use unethical marketing tactics. Rachel has helped over 3,000 creative entrepreneurs gain financial freedom in their businesses, enabling them to make a positive contribution to the world. So I'm curious to know, how do you define expert, but in a modern way? Such a great question. And I love when I'm asked this because I always say, when you think of the word expert, like who do you picture in your mind? Because I know for me, I always pictured like an old white man tweed kind of jacket in front of a blackboard that shows my age. Um, And it's funny because when I ask most of my clients and community, that's who they picture too. And isn't that wild? Because when we actually dig a little deeper and we say, well, who do you like look to? Who do you think is an expert? Who do you like follow on a certain topic or subject matter that like you're passionate about or you need to know about for business, then we realize that expert, there is no one visual definition. And then I think once we realize that there is needing to be a change in how we actually define expert. So for a lot of my clients, and again, this was me, you know, when we think of an expert, you had to be someone who had studied at university, had multiple degrees, had like lots of, you know, certifications, had been, you know, got lots of awards, prestige in a certain like body. So, you know, if you did PR, maybe Priya here in Australia, and I'm not saying these are bad things. I have three university degrees. I have qualifications. However, I think modern experts have changed. Instead, what we're seeing is that people who are multi-passionate like me are taking little bits from multiple buckets of expertise, life experience, um, you know, personality, just all these different things about themselves, bringing those together into one big bucket. And that's where they draw their expertise from. And if we think about it, we don't need any more traditional, and I'm saying traditional air quotes, experts, because they're not able to solve our modern world problems. We want experts who can draw upon all of their lived experiences, you know, different like socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, people of color, that's the type of experts we Mm. want so they can pull it all together, those little buckets to a big bucket to help people, the world, and just make society a better place. So that's how I define expert in a modern way I think it's always good to start there because you start to go oh yeah my visualization is different oh yeah if I had to say why I'm an expert or not 
an expert? What definition am I using to qualify myself? Because all of us are already experts. We Mm. don't need to, you know, do any more certificates. We don't need to be more. We just need to claim the expertise that we already have right now with who we are, what we're doing and our lived experience. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point. And when you ask that question, like, I also think of like the university professor, you know, in the way of the traditional expert. But then when I think about it, I'm like, well, if I need someone, for example, if I'm looking for an expert to help me with marketing in my business, I don't necessarily want someone who's got a PhD in marketing. I want someone who's already grown a business in a similar way to how I want to grow my business and inspires me. So, uh, yeah, that is a really um yeah, something I guess that kind of challenges the traditional way of looking at being an expert. And I'm really curious, like, do you think that um, some people have issues calling themselves or challenges calling themselves an expert or claiming their space online because of maybe some self-worth or low confidence issues? Definitely. I don't know if you find this with your community and clients, Sam, but with mine, you know, a woman will come to me and she's got an incredible business, so much expertise. Like she's done, you know, the degrees, she's been working in the field for like 10 plus years. She knows her stuff, right? You know, great clients, great results. And they want to do something new, maybe launch a program. And then the first thing they say to me is like, what training do I need to do to launch this program? And I'm not saying you shouldn't learn new skill sets, but the first thought is like, I need to do some professional training. Like I need to do more and study more before I can do this thing. And so I think, yes, a lot of it does come down to one, the definition, because I think our world has really told us to prescribe to certain types of expertise or a certain pathway to claim that expertise. So I do really want to keep leaning in on that because I don't think it's just a personal thing it's not just mindset but then I think it is followed up by mindset particularly as women we are often told you know our expertise isn't enough we haven't been you know in the office enough we haven't been in our roles enough we have people talk over us we have people take our ideas and parrot it back to us and then they get a round of applause and we don't Mm -hmm. and that happened to me many a time as a young woman so I think it's twofold in that respect and so Again, I think it's really important to to look at these situations, to recognise the world that we live in, patriarchy, capitalism, the way that the world works, and then to look at ourselves and think, have we been conditioned a certain way? And then to be really open and honest with yourself and be like, do I actually need more expertise or do I just need to learn how to make it happen? Because again, I think those two are kind of joined together. I need to learn more as opposed to I need to know how to make it happen. And again, I think, you know, the whole I'm not good enough, not worthy kind of covers that and you need to kind of pull that apart to see those two options. And then I always say to my client, yeah, do you need to know more or just how to make it happen? And look, I'm going to just pull the number out of about 80% of people just need to know how to make it happen. Like Mm. when we go through and we pull out the evidence, they can see themselves, how incredible they are, how they're in the right position, how they're the right person to do something. They just simply need to know how to make it happen. And taking another course or joining up to another mastermind is not going to show them how to do that. Yes. I um, I think my community is very similar in that 
especially when I launch, I always attract a lot of social workers, OTs, psychologists um, who are really, really interested in starting online businesses. And a lot of them say to me, oh, do I need to like go and study to be a coach? Or, you know, some of them have even got PhDs and they still feel like they, they're not qualified enough to do coaching. And I kind of like to say to them, well, social work is a four-year degree and like basically from the beginning to the end we're looking at systems and we're looking at we we use we do coaching but we just don't call it coaching and so but I almost find like sometimes the more qualified someone is the more they feel what's that saying you don't know what you don't know so I think the more training and the more you know the more you question if you know enough and so I often try to help women kind of get out of that vicious cycle of feeling like they need to do more training and actually, yeah, like make a start, like you said. Yeah, I think I forgot the term. Maybe we should uh, Google it and put it in the uh, show notes. But there is a term for that as well, where people who don't know very much on a subject matter think that they are like, they know everything, right? They are the expert. And when people who are actual experts, like you said, they're like, I don't know anything. Like they say for 20 years and they still say, I don't know enough. And so again, it's about recognizing that as well, because when you can see like everything out there, you've got all of those bodies of like expertise, you've got that lived experience, shared knowledge, you've got all the evidence. I think again, it can just be like a lot of stuff. And again, if you don't know how to sort through it, find that evidence like ask yourself the right questions so then you can claim the expertise. Again, our natural kind of reaction, what we've been conditioned to do is just ask someone else to hand out expertise and our autonomy and empowerment over to someone else to make a decision and then look to somebody else who we believe is an expert for whatever reason and then let them tell us if we know enough or don't know enough and validate us that way. And so I think there's a lot obviously to unpack there, but I grew up, you know, I did the three university degrees. I have been a university lecture, lecturer. So again, I do have a tweed jacket, but it's yeah. just a modern one, just <laughs> FYI. So I've been at the front of the classroom and it's like incredible how much people just assume I know. Or if I write an article, you know, I'm a um, ex-journo, I have a degree in journalism. People just assume I know everything about journalism and that I would like be best friends with all the editors at the magazine. I'm like, but how or why? And we really have been conditioned to society to really put certain people on pedestals from celebrities to experts. You know, if you're a YouTuber and you've got X amount of like, you know, followers and views, you're suddenly an expert. And so we also need to look at that ourselves and go, okay, we giving too much of our own kind of expertise, knowledge, shared experience away to others and believing that somebody else has all the answers or is better or more knowledgeable and, and just recognizing that expertise isn't these kind of vantry metrics. It's what, again, you know, to be true, your own evidence and how you claim it and put it together and share it with the world. Well, that's my opinion anyway. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think it's quite dangerous when we put people on pedestals, like even myself as a life coach, like I don't have my life together all the time. And when I kind of lead and support women in permission granted, I always say like, I am presenting you with my ideas, but be discerning and choose what you take in and and what you don't because you're the expert in your life and what works for you. So I absolutely agree. Like we have to be really careful in this kind of, you know, traditional way of putting people on pedestals and calling them experts. So, yeah, I think it's, um, 
it's also about women like claiming a seat at the table and recognizing are you someone like I realize that I'm someone who always thinks that I'm not quite enough for something like so I won't go for when I used to work as a social worker I'd be be told oh you should be a supervisor or you should be a manager but I'd be like oh I'm not experienced enough yet like I always you know didn't didn't step up and take a seat at the table and then there'd be a male social worker with way less experience than me that would so (laughs) I've learned that the hard way uh and I think you know I I encourage all women to like claim their seat, right. And just stand up and own that, that modern definition of leadership. I love that. So how do you go about defining your thought leadership style so that you can be your authentic self? Love that. And I'm so glad you shared it and I will answer your question, but I first want to share something else that ties into that is because I had the opposite problem. So I've just been a natural leader and I'm confident and happy to say that I am a natural leader. So I was always going to these leadership positions. However, how I wanted to lead was different to the norm. So it's now more common to have peer-to-peer leadership, which is what you probably shared, Sam, um, you know, if we're to define it. And what I do in my coaching program where I am an expert in marketing, sales, et cetera, except my client is just as much of an expert in their space and we co-create together. We work together to find solutions. And so I'm always checking in with them. Well, how does that sound? How does that feel? And I also qualify my statements in my experience. My clients have found like this, this may be true for you. Please test this out. And so it's more peer-to-peer learning as opposed to me on a pedestal, them underneath me, and them just listening to whatever I have to say. And I think, again, realizing that sometimes your natural leadership style might be against what, again, we've been traditionally taught in society. So I always told Rachel, you need to have more authority. Rachel, you need to, you know, use less smiley emojis in your emails. Rachel, you need to lead this way. And I'm like, I don't need to lead anyway, because my natural leadership style is this. And when I lead in this way, I get results. And I'm a very like empathetic leader. I let people have autonomy. Yes, you know, there are many things that I need to still work on as a leader, um, you know, from being nine to five manager to now having a team. It's not perfect. However, I did want to share that because when I have created my own leadership styles, there's three of them, the storyteller, the teacher and the facilitator. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest takeaways, and I'll share them in a, more in a moment, one of the biggest takeaways for my clients is that they already have their own leadership style. It's about recognizing it, about building on it, as opposed to trying to change their leadership style, which a lot of us have been conditioned and told to do. So the storyteller is someone who loves telling stories. They just, you know, they're always a person like, oh my God, this is what happened to me like the other day. You would not believe it. And you're like hooked. You're like, you know, those girlfriends, you like lean in with like a wine or a cup of tea and you like go. And you know, you're going to be entertained and you're taken on a journey and there's characters and there's drama But however, sometimes you get to the end and you're like, was there a learning? Like, what are we chatting about again? You know, great time, not a lot of action and takeaways. Then you have the teacher. I am the teacher um, where the person has like so much knowledge, great body of knowledge. And they're always like, you can do this. Have you thought about this? Three steps to this. However, sometimes the person is so overwhelmed by like info. They're kind of like, who am I? What am I? This person's just giving me a whole bunch of stuff. Like, what does it mean for me? And then we have the facilitator, which I also am um, in a lot of settings, is the person that brings people together. They're always asking questions and connecting people. However, at the end of the day, someone will 
you know, forget that they were even there because they're just the connector. They're not maybe establishing themselves as much of an expertise. So each of these have strong points and points to work on. And you could be a blend of one or two of these, but it's about learning kind of just what your natural style is. So as a teacher, I could bore you to death with facts. I try and lean more into facilitation too, because once I've shared a fact, I want to hear what other people have to say and what they think and bring them in on that learning experience. So again, that peer to peer. And lately I've been trying really hard to be a better storyteller, even as a copywriter and a marketing coach, you think I'd be great at stories. They bore me. I don't want to read an email that goes for six pages, but I am trying to include more stories because there are so many natural storytellers in my community that want to learn in that more storytelling way and less facts and figures. So if you are sitting there going, cool, like how do I go about this? I think it's about thinking on the really, really good days when you're in your element, when you're coaching, when you're providing that service for your client, when you're just like showing up in your sort of day-to-day, like where do you feel most in flow? Where do you feel most empowered? Where do things come naturally? Where do you like walk away from something and think like, damn, I've got this because that's when you're really sitting into that leadership style. And then I'd also look at the days where you're like, why isn't anything going right? Like, why is this hard? Like, what am I missing? Why don't they get it? It's normally maybe where something you need to practice on or might be a challenge for you. So some of my clients would say like, but I just don't get the facts. I'm like, they're right in front of you. How can you not get them? And then when I told a story, they're like, oh, and then I realized that none of us were wrong it was the way I was conveying the information, which is why I started trying to lean more into storytelling. So I didn't change who I was. I became aware of it. And I asked questions for my clients, like, how do you best learn? How do you want me to support you now? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to share some actions? They're questions I ask all the time. One, the P2P learning, it grounds them. Two, I'm demonstrating my leadership style sitting as a leader and then they can replicate that and they too can feel empowered to sit as a leader on their side of the table as well. And then we can have better, more constructive, thoughtful and considered conversations. So if you're wanting to show up as your authentic self, highly recommend thinking about your leadership style. And just like we said at the start of this conversation, really looking at like, have you been conditioned in a certain way? And is your natural leadership style perhaps not something you've always seen replicated because that's okay as well? Mm. And I think like I use a lot of storytelling. Um, I probably don't use it enough on social media actually talking to you is giving me lots of ideas, but I use it a lot in my permission granted at group coaching calls because sometimes when we hear a story from someone else, it's like almost safer for our brain to then go, oh, I do that too. Whereas if I was to point out directly to them, well, you're doing this process. That's why I love group coaching because like someone else might share a challenge that they're going through and permission granted. And the other person listening will be like, oh, I do that too. So I wonder if it's the same in marketing that, you know, when when we hear stories where we're able to have some space from um, you know, and distance to kind of observe it and to have a bit more of an aha moment than if someone directly gives us a piece of advice or a fact. Definitely. And the ways that I do this, since a little bit copywriter marketing speak, is you see yeah. me combining all three in my posts. And so yeah. this is like more strategic and less, you know, my daily leadership style. But I will be ask a question, mm-hmm. summarize a situation in a story. So like, is this you? Do you struggle to like show up on social media and share your face because you don't want to be that it person that's always like me, me, me. 
that's a post that I've shared. So that goes to storytelling. And then I'll move into the teacher, which is like, these are the steps that I followed or these are the things you can try. And at the end, I come back to facilitator and I say, was this useful? Do you feel the same way? And ask questions so people can personalize it and also reflect on the actions they can take. So leadership style, like I said, recognizing your style, recognizing the styles in others, and also knowing that you can be combinations of these and you can change and you can move through them. um, And that's okay. But I think sometimes the teacher in me loves to put us, you know, in some categories some stuff to kind of look at to help you kind of build up your own authentic leadership style. Yeah, I love it. It's like the different parts of ourselves and knowing that. And I wonder if I'd known what you're sharing about leadership, if I kind of would have put my hand up to be a leader in the social work industry earlier, instead of kind of being like, oh, no, I'm just a junior. (laughs) Um, Because I thought of leadership the way you kind of um, traditionally talked about it, you know, like, yeah, you've got to be like really loud, really confident, really assertive, um like and I see myself as like quite a soft gentle person and so I always thought oh no that's not for me uh but yeah like there's so many different ways to lead isn't there yeah it really isn't about emulating or replicating that traditional approach I mean if this is you please know that that's completely like fine and valid you're not doing anything wrong I do have some friends who are like loud talk really really fast you know they and they just blend in like they're just who you'd picture, but yeah. I work with a lot of non-conforming. So like yeah. BIPOC, people with, you know, identify as being fat, poor, yeah. all of that. And I have found time and time again, mm. when they break these rules, whether it's marketing, leadership, sales, that's when success happens for them purely because those rules were never created with them in mind. So these rules, rules were really created for middle-aged white men that's mm-hmm. a very small part of our population. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, for us, just on a good day to try and conform in that way, for most of us, that isn't applicable. And I think it's a really beautiful thing where we are in society where people are more open to different ways of being, thinking, doing. And again, I think that's what we need in society to address some of the things that I know that listeners are wanting to do in their businesses and their lives. So I think now more than ever, we actually have permission Mm. to really be ourselves and to show up in new ways and to experiment, right? I do want to say you don't just wake up one day, put yourself in a category and get all your problems are solved. Like I said, I'm still working on lots of things. I still freak out and don't want to step into my leadership power and role despite it calling out to me Mm. many, many a time. But that doesn't mean that I can't keep chipping away at it and trying one Instagram post, one email, one conversation, one talk at a time. And that's something that I really um, impart with my clients that you don't need to be perfect, have it all figured out, like you mentioned before, to be a leader. In fact, we are loving now more than ever, really like honest, authentic human leaders, which means they make mistakes, they cry, they show vulnerability, they show anger, like all of these things that we're told to never do or say or be as a leader I think we can finally throw those out and be like yes I can show up as my authentic self in this moment obviously if you're safe um, in a space to do that and just be you what comes up for me is that maybe actually when you break the rules that's when you become a leader like leadership is about breaking the rules and yeah being yourself it's so true I actually was at a business chicks conference last week I wish I could take 
credit for this because it really sums up what I think what I'm trying to say and what I have always been leaning towards and I just had never heard it shared this way is that leaders create other leaders Mm. leaders don't create followers and I was like yes this is this is everything that I've been trying to say so if you don't if you just ignore everything else I just said please take away this leaders create other leaders which is what we're here this is why you're probably listening to this episode they don't create followers they create leaders and and I just think how beautiful is that because I've never heard leadership Mm. explained so simply like I've just never heard it defined in that way before yeah I really like that too and it means like if you work with someone and then they they grow out of working with you and they move on to something else like to see that as like a success as well right and to celebrate that growth and that they're stepping into leadership too yes that's one of my favorite things about my clients and again it's something I personally struggle and I'm happy to share that like when I started coaching and moving into leadership positions and seeing my clients go on to do these incredible things and get incredible results like me and better than me in some ways. Um, You know, you're taught to be like, oh no, you need to, you know, you always need to be ahead and better and making more money. And I'm like, hell no. Like if my client comes to me and does a hundred K launch and my last launch was 60 K and I'm just using numbers because it's tangible and easy to share. Yeah. I'm literally like screaming with excitement. Like it doesn't mean anything about me. I'm like, sending them champagne flowers like do you know what I mean I am honestly celebrating them and it has nothing to do with me and it does not take away from my leadership my success and I think that's something Mm. once you really step into your own sort of leadership style and you're truly leading you know what leadership means to you as well as like you know your purpose your lived experiences and you're just really confident in that space Again, you're just going, yes, I've nailed it because I've created a leader who's going to go create other leaders and who is leading. Like, isn't that why we're leading in the first place? Yeah. And then it sounds like the competition just melts away. So it does. Leadership this way. And so how, like, I think we're both in agreement that the world needs more diverse voices. How do you lead with your experience, your skills and your expertise? Yeah. And I think this really comes down to, you as an individual and lots of things like your mission and your purpose, your leadership styles, like your values, what your lived experience is and how much of that you want to draw upon and what topics you want to share about. Because just because you have knowledge in a space or a particular skill set, as you would know in business and in life, doesn't mean you need to lean on it. So I think it's about defining what it is you want to talk about, what you want to be known for what type of people you want to lead, why, the types of outcomes. And I know they're really big questions. However, I feel like if you don't know the answers to them, that's when, like you said, you know, you can start to feel competitive. You have the self-doubt. You go in circles. You start emulating, which is completely fine to emulate. We all do at the start. But those people you look to and be like, they're just incredible. Like you're in awe of what they do, even if you don't necessarily agree with everything or you wouldn't purchase that program wouldn't work with them, but you're like, you know, your stuff and you're incredible and, you know, making waves to get like to that position for others around you to do that. If that's something you desire, then you really need to know why it is that you're leading in the first place and like ask those questions. So for me, it always comes back down to my purpose. And it just happens to be that this is all aligned. And this is why I talk about leadership so Mm -hmm. much is because my purpose is to be a leader for others that didn't have leaders. 
And so I don't even know why I'm getting emotional. And so that's why I lead. And so for me, it's just such a strong like purpose. And so I think for others, it doesn't have to be emotional, but for me, it makes sense. On those days when I'm like in my trackies and I'm like, I don't want to show up, like I'm scared, I'll still show up in a way that I feel safe because it means so much to me where other people, I think, are leading for the sake of leading and they're leading for those tangible things like the money, the prestige. And so then it doesn't feel as real. And then that you see them kind of lead and then fall off when they don't get the results they want or when they do and then they ghost. And I think that's why understanding your leadership is so important for me. It's like I said, tied to purpose who I am, but it doesn't have to be like that for you. But if you don't lead from that place, then I'm not sure you will be making I suppose the changes you want, you won't be that diverse voice that people look to. Yeah. And I think like, I love that you got emotional because to me, I always feel I'm a very emotional person as well. And I always feel like when I say something that's like so true that my, you know, that I get teary, it's like a full body. Yes. And it's, yeah, like obviously really powerful and and meaningful work that you do. Um, It's really interesting what you're sharing as well, because I find a lot of, women that I support, they, they're very resistant to this idea of like niching or getting really specific. Um, and I also ask them, well, what do you want to be known for in the world? But there, there can be a lot of resistance I find around actually declaring that, especially for social workers, <laughs> because we're kind of trained to be able to work with everybody. And it's almost like the, the more experience you've got, the, the harder it is to go, oh, I'm, I'm going to be known for this one thing. Um, but yeah, I love the way you describe it because it's not just niching, is it? It's like actually like much deeper than that. Yeah. And I mean, I talk about niching all the time with my clients. I mean, marketing and I actually work specifically with multi-passionate people who don't want to be just one thing. So again, yeah. you know, going back to the definition of a leader, yeah. if it's getting all those little buckets of experience, skill sets, life experience, the world, your purpose, your passion and pulling them all together you're not just doing one thing. You're actually bringing a whole bunch of stuff together. And just because I want to be a leader about today about helping other leaders Mm. doesn't mean that I can't change that later on. Or just because I'm working with multi-passionate people now doesn't mean I can't change if that's no longer true or I want to think bigger or think smaller. And so I think people, you know, you hear this thing, you need to draw a line in the sand, you know, the flag and the pole or whatever those Mm. silly sayings are, which I do share with my clients. But I think people then really go, oh, cool, I'm building a wall around myself and they feel like that wall goes up and they can't see anyone else when really you're bringing a wall down. Yeah. So niching allows you to bring the walls down and to like reach over and be like, hey, this is me. I care about this. I think this. I want to support you to do this. Can we have a convo? But people imagine it as a wall building up when I see it as a wall coming down. Yeah. And I think it's like um, that idea. I always say sometimes we just need to be able to make a decision in the for now, like what feels good? How do you want to be seen in the world? And what do you want to be known for right now? But you're allowed to change your mind. Like in three months time, you might decide that you want to do something different and that's okay too. I think there's a lot of fear around changing our minds because people see that as failing. And when you stop seeing it as failing and you just see it like as being human, then all of a sudden it's not so scary to make a decision. So true. And it's about evidence. So if you do do the work, I know it's hard. There's lots of questions to answer, but if you do the work, it's actually ongoing work. You know, I'm always redefining. I'm always coming back. Like I 
actually came up with my purpose and why I want to be a leader. And then I was like, nope, that can't be it. Spent three years doing other stuff and then came back to it. I was like, God damn it. Like, this is what it is. So frustrating. Sometimes we have to do that. And sometimes I do that multiple times. And I just recently have done that. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be this leader. This is not my purpose because it's so true to me. And there is past trauma and it is scary and it is hard. And I go around about in circles and I come back and that's completely fine, right? Again, because we're human and this is like lifelong work like if you think yeah. about all of the people you look to that are leaders like Brene Brown which everyone loves yeah. to speak to think about you know how much her work has changed that she's built on it that she's worked with others all of these things she isn't just still the exact person in the same spot talking about the same things anymore so if, again if you see it as like a life's journey I think yeah. it opens you up to try many things and to use evidence um, to support your decisions and you know, we go through different stages of life and business. And if you need to go around around circles like I do on many a thing, then that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, I've gone around and around in circles too. It's like when I decided I wasn't going to do the Happy Biz Mama project anymore because I didn't want to just work with mums in business. But now because I've had another baby, I've been attracting a lot of mums in business. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> there you go <laughs> it just happens it's uh yeah I think it's like permission to just let it be a bit messy right yeah yeah because leaders are messy like I said yeah. leaders have emotion leaders cry on podcasts when they're talking about their purpose leaders oh like humans and yeah. so again if you see someone as a human being and think of all the reasons why you love them follow them learn from them you'll yeah. realize that they're flaws for lack of a better word as much as all of the amazing things that they do and contribute to the world like those two together is why you follow that leader not you know despite of it like you follow those people because they aren't perfect we don't want perfect leaders because we wouldn't believe what they had to say anyway yeah that's so true we don't want perfect leaders uh and so you kind of already touched on this a little bit but it sounds like your purpose allows you to, to start before you feel ready or to show up even on those days when you don't feel like it. But have you got any tips and tools for the listeners around, um, you know, how to start before you feel ready when it comes to like really owning your expertise and your voice? Yeah, I think right ideal, like ideally in a real world, you know, on a great day, what would you do? So say for me it is... I'm going to run a live workshop to, you know, an audience of a certain amount of people and say, you know, life happens um, or, you know, you fall pregnant or you're just having like not a great day and you're like, you know, needing to get up and like share and sell into that workshop. What I always say to my clients and what I do too is going, okay, what is the goal for the day? The goal for today is to invite people to this workshop. Mm -hmm. How did I want it to look? I wanted to do a five minute IG live. Do I have the mental, physical, you know, energy capacity? No. Well, how can I still achieve that goal doing something else? Mm. I could pre-record a video and maybe like edit it, or mm. I could just get on stories and do text, or I could share, an, you know, photo um, and then text underneath on Instagram and still get the same results, still do the same work. And so I think for a lot of us, when we're first starting out, we want to do the best thing, the greatest thing. Normally the most like 
mm. energetically biggest thing, for lack of a better term. And it doesn't mean that that's going to have the most impact. It's just like we need to go all in, which it means yeah. I need to have a face full of makeup. The kid needs to be at the daycare, needs to be perfectly quiet. You know, I can't be on my period, like all of these things. Yeah. And I was like, the world doesn't work like that. So, you know, on those days when you are bloated, the kid's screaming, you've got a pimple, like how can you still show up? And so instead of going, I can't show up in that way or I can't do that thing, I'm just not going to do anything. Being like, what is the purpose? What is the goal? What can I do instead? And so on those days where, you know, and I'm literally doing that now, I'm selling into a visibility workshop, just had COVID. And I was like, well, what can I do instead? So looked terrible, um, was coughing, couldn't do videos. So what I do, I did a whole bunch of like stories and I worked on other things and I sent private DMs. Like I still did it all. I'm still selling into the workshop, still getting clients. It just looks really different. And again, leadership, which I know is a little bit off topic with visibility, being a leader and creating other leaders doesn't mean you need to be visible. Doesn't mean you need to have an audience of hundred people in front of you. It's not you in front of a blackboard. It's yeah. you having conversations with others and imparting your knowledge in so many different ways that we do in our businesses and life. So you don't need to be at the front of the classroom to yeah. lead and to get the results you want, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yes. Think about that. Yes. Are you putting that expectation on yourself? Cause like I said, I did everything last week while resting with COVID and I still led my team, my clients, my community. Yeah. And that, that makes me think of like my launching commission grant with a newborn baby. Like it just looked completely different. Like my business coach was like, well, you could do all these reels. And like, I had like this whole plan of stuff that I could do, but then I was like 90% of it, I didn't do, but I, even if I couldn't do lots of stories, I usually love to do loads of stories when I launch. I'd take one photo of me and then I'd like write a whole heap of stuff, you know, like even if I'm doing that, like while I'm on the couch, like with my feet up, but I think it's kind of like, just show up anyway and just do your best. Isn't it that that's leading? Yeah. Again, leading authentically means not being perfect and putting yourself on a pedestal because most of the time we're doing that to ourselves. No one else is being like, Oh my God, Rachel shared another story just of her face and text. And she wasn't on video. I'm not going to her workshop. Like who's ever thought that? Like, come on. Yeah, no, but no. We're saying that to ourselves. It's, it's not true. Don't put yourself on a pedestal yeah. just the same as you don't put others on pedestals. Like see yourself as the type of leader that like leads other people in really unique and interesting ways, just like the people you follow and go, damn, like they're incredible. Lead with that same kind of kindness and compassion for yourself. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, just incredible. And so if people would like to keep in contact with you and follow your journey and and maybe work with you in the future, what's the best way for them to keep in touch with you? I'm big on Instagram. I love a DM chat. Mm -hmm. So you can hit me up on Instagram. Um, You can also listen to my podcast, The Rachel Kujip Show, if you are wanting more practical tips on topics such as this or just generally hit up my website if you want to know how you can work with me. And there's a whole bunch of freebies on there that will support you to be a more authentic leader. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. I just know that this is going to be so, so powerful for everyone listening. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure.